1: Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos, and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call one 858 858
0: Kia ora and good morning. You are listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ. We are by Kiwis and we are for Kiwis, and it's just after 7am on Monday the 16th of August and we've had a good hour so far. We've talked a lot about the All Blacks on the weekend and the demolition of the Wallabies in Bledisloe too. We chatted a little bit about the Warriors as well but we'll get on to that later on and we've heard a few stories from our man Iz about a couple of issues he had at home in and around the running overflowing of a bath plus his new purchase of a property uh,
2: of a puppy sorry good morning again Is. Good morning. Good morning, Banzi. It's been a great morning. We've got a few uh, texts coming in about the stadium. Uh, we're going to get on to that a bit shortly with uh, Jamie Wall coming on. But I've got a few texts here. It's great, actually. Thoughts on Whitelock as skipper. Thought he was outstanding. And where this leaves Sam Kane in the mix. Cheers, Jamie. That's a very, very interesting text message coming. And I thought mm. Sam Whitelock was absolutely outstanding on the weekend. It's not just not just in the game as well. Like There was a lot of checks been thrown about around the All Blacks and you know, the way they performed in that first Letterslow Cup game. And then you get a guy I've heard he was very, very instrumental during that week um, keeping the boys on task keeping the mindset out. And then when you got a leader like that, a guy like Sam Whitlock, he's played over 128 tests for his country to go out and perform week in, week out consistently so, so, so good yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things, you know. Does Sam Kane come straight back in and to take the skipper role? It's very, very, very interesting to see if that happens, Baz. Well, especially
0: because remember when Sam Kane got the the well was was made All Black captain, there was also um a sense of disappointment from Sam Whitelock that he missed out um as well. But yep. I, I couldn't agree more, mate. Just the way the poise that he was able to operate with on Saturday, when he was still being able to ask the questions of the referee. I thought he did it in a really um calm manner and he was he was smart enough to get his points across. But look, Sam Kane's also a, a wonderful um leader as well and mm. he is the all black captain. Yep. So I don't envisage personally that they will they will change that. Um yep. but it is a good thing for the All Blacks that while their their captain is away, some of the other leaders, the next layer of leadership is really standing up and and uh, and that's a good thing for the All Blacks. Um, right now's a good time, I think, for us to be able to introduce our our first guest of the morning, and that is Jamie War, top rugby writer and author. And and also, I think you were at the rugby on Saturday, I believe. Jamie, what what was what was your thoughts?
1: Uh, kia ora, boys, um, thanks for having me on. Uh, yes, I was, I was definitely there. Um, my thoughts on the game it was it was an excellent performance by the All Blacks. I'm um, probably one of the best. Uh, in a, uh, since the World Cup uh, and um, a great bounce back and something that probably any, everyone who's looked at the Blislo for the last 10 years could probably see coming because the second test is when the All Blacks really um, kicked the Wallabies' ass, <laughs> to, to be honest. They've, they've averaged uh, <laughs> like a 20-point winning margin um, over the last 10 years and they've, they've, they've hit, hit a half century uh, three times. So um, if you were going to put... Uh, Money on the Wallabies to lose, uh, big time. That that was or oh, thirteen plus All Blacks won. That was the one to do it. Um, so yeah, that was the on-field action. Um, the off-field one has been the big talking point though, um, because yeah, got standing up there for the national anthem and watching the hucker and seeing a whole lot of empty stands at Eden Park was a pretty weird experience, I have to say. But it was also one that we all could kind of see coming, I think.
0: Yeah, that's right, Jamian. I guess there's 25,000 people there is what, um, what we've been. Oh, no, there wasn't. Old. <laughs> no, good. There, no, wasn't. there wasn't. Yeah. It didn't look like 25,000.
1: No. Um, and we, we could, like I said, we could kind of see it coming during the week because we were all asking, uh, and the media asking indirectly, like how many tickets he sold. And we weren't getting a straight answer out of them. And I think, uh, they had the boss of Eden Park were on with Smithy last week, and he couldn't give them a straight answer either, and that's when we knew something was up. And um, I think uh, that, that number was inflated a little bit. They they probably took into account all their comp tickets that they would have given away, but, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. Well, I've been to Eden Park a lot of times to watch the Blues, and um, that I know, I know 25,000 when I see it, and that, that wasn't it. <laughs>
2: Hey Jamie, uh, what's the solution, mate? Uh, what was the solution? What do you think we could have done better, or this NZR could have done better? Could we have shifted it logistically wise? Could we have taken it anywhere else?
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I think um, the original plan of playing in Wellington still would have worked because you could have played it on the Sunday afternoon. The um, beer festival they had down there, Biavana, could have uh, could have moved out by Sunday afternoon. I think, having seen last year how popular those Sunday afternoon games were both in Super Rugby Aotearoa and with the, the Bledisloe test they had at Eden Park uh, last year. Um, they could have packed it out, could have made it more family-orientated, I think. Um, uh, made, perhaps made it a little bit cheaper for kids to get in because if you really want to pack it out, mm. you can you know get people with, with families coming in. Um, and then, alternately, um, they, they could have taken it to Christchurch uh, because Christchurch haven't hosted yeah. the test in five years now. And, um, and it's, yes, it's a yeah. small stadium, but I think that the amount of goodwill that would have come out of that and saying to the people across Christchurch, like, hey, you know, we're going to put this on for you now just to say thanks, perhaps, for the great work that the, um, the Crusaders have done to sort of keep the, promoting the game down there uh, would have been something. And, yes, they would have taken a financial hit. But I think NZ Rugby really need to realise right now that they need more good, good news stories than bad ones because their attempts to make money over this, the course of this year have just resulted in some really bad mm-hmm. press for them like the silver lake thing has just been a just this ongoing saga that uh, everyone just wants to kind of get finished um the deal with Enios um turned out to be you know really unpopular with a lot of people uh and so it's just it just would be nice if they just sort of thought with their hearts rather than their mm-hmm. wallets for a change
2: yeah so, so where does that decision lie? Does it does does that decision lie with the NZR, or is it that Eden Park and Nick Sontner coming out and saying, look, we can host them, we can sell it out? Who who made this decision?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, good question. We're probably not going to find out the actual ins and outs of it, because if they're not going to um, admit how many tickets are getting sold, we, they're, probably, they're never going to tell us like, exactly how this deal was, was done. Um, but I think that, um, you know, just my own opinion is that perhaps they feel that they owe something to the Eden Park Trust board there um, and that they probably came out and made a call that, you know, having it two games in yep. a row there would be the best way to do it. Um, you know, obviously, I disagree. I think that they could have perhaps... And and just logically, it just didn't make any sense um, for them to do it as well because they were they had a big crowd there last week. They're 47,000. And they're essentially expecting probably about half of those people to show back up again this week. Yeah. And given how... how crap that game was last week it was highly mm-hmm. unlikely that was really going to happen so yeah i, I just think <laughs> of just a bit more thinking outside the box from them and thinking like what actually makes us look good here uh is better capital than just you know how much money they can make and they ended up not probably making that much money anyway because they the crowd that showed up was the same <laughs> one that would have been in christchurch or hamilton's
2: anyway mm.
0: OK, well, that's off the field, and I'm sure Smitty's going to dive into that um, later on as well. well. What about on the foot, on the field and being there? Was there a real sense of uh, determination about this all-black side this week that they just wanted to put, make a big statement and put the Wallabies away? Is that what it felt like?
1: Yep, yep, absolutely. You hit the nail on the head there. Um, and, and just one more thing about the crowd. like there were, the, the people that were there, like it did actually create quite a good atmosphere, I must say. Uh, it, was, it did... You know there was a big roar when they scored and, and the people really got into it and the ground announcer did a really good job to kind of hype everyone up um around there so i'll, I'll give them that um but yeah but back on on the all blacks like i said this has always been the revenge game all will come out sort of swinging in the first test and then the all blacks have a week of getting uh reminded of you know blaze low cup history and so forth and then they come out and just absolutely demolish them in the second and and to the wallabies credit though that you know it was it was there at half time. you know they they were in the game and it was a good hard test match where they were running the ball from everywhere and there's some good performances uh but then that intercept by sever Rees uh in the in the second half just completely just deflated the wallabies and then the all blacks just put the foot on the throat and just crushed them and uh yeah i mean it was it was a really really good good display um and also it was from From an all black perspective, it was great to see the same essentially the same team out there two weeks in a row and and you can tell now that okay, that's what Foster wants out there. That's that's who we who we're getting. Um that's who we expect to be in the top fifteen unless there's injuries. So that that was that was pleasing from, from our point of view.
2: Hey going going forward uh to Australia potentially might be playing the Springboks in Australia, and you've written a book about the 100th clash between the Springboks and the All Blacks. How do you think the All Blacks are shaping up leading into that? That'll be our biggest test against the world champs.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's probably shaping up to be probably the biggest game of the year anywhere in rugby, after how boring and crap that um, British Lions series was. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, yeah, I think... It's going to be pretty hard for them to kind of get as excited about it, considering it's it's most likely going to get played in Perth um, yeah. now and instead of like a packed stadium down there. in, it's just such a shame. And I understand, you know, I'll cut them a bit of slack. Like, there's nothing you can do about the COVID situation in Australia that's that's made this happen. It's ironic, though, that because of what's happening in Australia, they now have to play in Australia. That's a bit weird. I think a bit more effort could have gone into trying to get the whole thing over here. But again, I think that's a conversation that's going to come up in, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but, you know, they're shaping up nicely um, and it's going to be a really interesting um, clash. I think that all the talk about the Springboks being boring uh, is not going to happen because the Springboks know that they can't play like that against the All Blacks. Um, Izzy, you'll, you'll mm. know that. You, you, that yeah. um, If you look at the Springboks and All Blacks over the last 10 years, they've played probably over half of the top 10 tests of that era. Uh, because the Springboks have good players. They've got the most exciting player in the world right now playing on the wing for them. And they're going to have to yeah. lose the ball because you need to go all the way back to 1998 to find a low-scoring test match that the Springboks won. They can keep it, they can keep it tight and keep it low-scoring if they want, but they're not going to win. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I'm expecting to see something really, really interesting coming up now. We're going to hear a lot of talk about how boring they are, but uh, I think that would be foolish to, to think that they're going to come into the game with that sort of attitude.
0: Yeah, you're spot on there. Actually, that could be a tantalising contest um, between two teams who know how to play expansive rugby when they want to as well. But anyway, Jamie, thank you very much for joining us on Baz Nizzi for breakfast. We really appreciate your insights and, and also your honesty in and around uh, the New Zealand Rugby Union and some of the challenges which they faced over the weekend and surely ongoing as well. So that was Jamie Wool. Thank you very much for joining us, mate. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Anytime. Cheers, man. It is fascinating, isn't it? Is because everyone Mm. is disappointed with the crowd in the weekend, but I guess we've got to. We also have to understand and cut the New Zealand Rugby Union a little bit of slack. That there is some extraordinary circumstances which are going on around the world at the moment, and and there's a lot of obstacles that New Zealand Rugby Union had to have to uh, have to overcome to be able to host these kind of events so there is a little bit of an understanding there albeit it was disappointing right
2: yeah 100% and that's what I touched on at the start um the logistically wise the the big the, like, the moving parts that comes with hosting an All Blacks game mate. it's not like just the you know you're just hosting a, a Bunnings NPC and, and there's probably you know six cameras compared to 15 cameras, you know, so a broadcasting sense, they've got to move a whole big production crew that's 300 probably odd people that they have to shift. So, look, there is a, a lot of factors behind it, so we can't just go out and throw... NZR under the bus um, look there is a lot of things they probably could have changed They could have made the, the tickets cheaper would have been better than seeing an empty seat So look there's a lot of underlying factors, but we got to cut them some slack because uh, Realistically, we've got no idea what goes on So look we're just we're just trying <laughs> to create a little bit of debate and create some chat and I think we've done that well Baz. Oh, well done as you've also created a little bit of chat what a beautiful <laughs> segue just
0: mentioning the bunnings mpc <laughs> Because the shield match, which went on, on the weekend, where your Hawks Bay Boys took down my target boys, we need to talk about soon. But now we are going to shoot off and pay a few bills. This is Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day.
2: Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why Tyre Power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely, and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 132191.